This is Jill Shaw, and you're listening to our new series, Catalyst During the COVID-19 Crisis, brought to you by the Shaw Family Foundation. During these times of uncertainty and change, we have seen many organizations and leaders throughout the city of Boston and the state of Massachusetts adapt and respond to the COVID-19 crisis, forging ahead to accomplish their missions and solving new problems along the way. In each of these short episodes, we will talk with one of these change agents and understand how they've had to adapt as they respond to this crisis. Today, we are joined by John Feynman, founder and CEO of Inner City Weightlifting. Hi, John. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, so we recently taped a podcast, which is being released next Tuesday. Um, but let's quickly remind folks about what inner city weightlifting does. Can you talk a little bit about your mission and what you do day to day before we get into what's happening now because of COVID-19? Yeah, happy to. Um, so we work with people who've been impacted by mass incarceration, specifically people where those same systems of oppression have led them to involvement in street violence. Uh, through our gym, we're able to earn trust create a community where we can broaden options and ultimately create hope for the future. And then through our personal training career track, uh, we are able to not just create economic mobility as the people in our program start making $20, $60 an hour training clients, but more important, because of who they're training, we're able to bridge social capital, flip power dynamics, and create these really genuine relationships that challenge the social norms that keep people apart and, and this kind of use of fear to rationalize what is ultimately irrational actions that lead to the criminalization of people rather than viewing people through a lens of humanity and in turn fueling mass incarceration. Right. And most of the folks um, that you work with and that you serve, where, where do they live in Boston? What parts of town do they live in? Uh, almost all of our students, uh, over 98%, uh, live in Mattapan, Dorchester, and Roxbury. So how has life changed for them? Has it changed for them um, kind of just on a day-to-day -day basis because of the COVID-19 crisis? Yeah, the, so the people that we're working with and, and their families, you know, it's it's been this chronic struggle with food, with housing, uh in terms of chronic poverty, lack of opportunity. So at the onset of this, it wasn't that anything was very different than the day-to-day -day struggles, but as it continues to progress and as everything gets shot down, the, the most harmful part about it uh, has certainly been this overwhelming burden, you know, a burden that was probably already overwhelming. Uh, but is now that much heavier uh, with less opportunity than before, um, with, with kind of less hope for what can happen. Um, but there, at the same time, there's this incredible resilience and, and, and formation of community that comes out of tragedy and despair. Um, so in short, uh, yes, you know, the, the needs have absolutely grown uh, as an organization, uh, so too is our response to make sure that we can do whatever we can to lighten the load, uh, to be by people's sides and make sure that they don't feel like they have to solve their challenges alone. Um, and again, I think that you know, as you look what's happening uh, in Boston and across the country and you start to look at the data 
that shows the disproportionate impact on communities of color and specifically African-Americans, it really highlights these longstanding inequities uh, that when something like this happens, uh, shows the troubled history of this country and, and kind of uh, how much needs to happen. And at the same time, hopefully creates this path forward where there's real opportunity, not just to address the short-term challenges, which are so needed uh, in, in terms of addressing, but also to start to fix some of these more long-standing inequities uh, that can create a, a better path forward for everyone. So typically you see your students in the gym and I'm imagining the gym is shut down. And so how are you connecting with your students right now? The first thing we did, and, and, and this was actually probably the beginning of March, was we just kind of accepted that the reality uh, of our day-to-day was most likely going to change. So for us, the question was never really about whether or not the gym was going to shut down. It was more about how do we make sure we continue to do the work and, and, and you know, we start inner city weightlifting to be there at the best moments. You know, we start to be there at the most difficult times. So th- this is really... Uh, you know, this is our chance to prove ourselves as an organization, individually, the people we're working with. And so we immediately started uh, to implement a more structured case management approach that allowed us to better understand what are the basic needs that people have uh, and, and, and that they don't currently have. So with each person in our program, we started to leverage our, our advocate team, the people working day in, day out with the guys, uh, to understand who has an ID and who needs it, uh, who has housing, who needs it, uh, who has healthcare and a primary care physician, who needs it. And, and we started to put the pieces together around that. And that allowed us to increase the frequency of checking in with people. And the gym always made it really easy because it brought people to us and we could create those relationships across stakeholders. But the virtual part now, it allows us to stay in touch with someone and and better understand what those short-term needs are, what the challenges are that are coming down the road. Uh, And our hardship fund, which we've had for the last several years where we help people out with rent, bills, utilities, usually we're giving away around two and a half thousand a month. In the last 30 days, we've given out over 35K. Some of that hasn't come directly through us, but it's been donors who wanted to give directly to the people in our program. So we're counting that in in that 35K number. But it's really allowed us to grow relationships, uh, even though the gym has been closed. And then on the personal training side, we switched everything over to virtual training, uh, in-home workout design. And and a real highlight has been the virtual corporate training, where we're training employees across the globe now. Uh, We're helping to keep employees at companies connected through a shared activity, uh, reducing stress, and also giving companies an opportunity to give back because our trainers get paid $80 a session for these. You're now talking with each one of your students about IDs and housing, and I'm imagining food access as well in terms of uh, healthcare. Are are these things that weren't done on a regular basis before, and you're now learning how to include them into your um, overall offering comprehensively? Is it something that will remain a part of what you do going forward? Um, you finding it very valuable to know these additional things about your students? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So before it was 
it was being done, but not in a structured way. It would just be done through, we'd be working out, having a conversation. And, and through that conversation, you learn of a need that someone has. Right. Um, and from there, we'd start to put the pieces together and see what we could do to help. And that was kind of how we created the hardship fund to begin with. Um, but now uh, that we brought in Feliciano Tavares, our new chief program officer, who comes from 15 years working in this field uh, as a case manager and then managing case managers. Um, he's really been able to put that structure in place so we can collect the info, streamline it to make sure we are uh, helping to provide some of those acute short-term needs uh, that start with IDs, food access, transportation, everything we kind of talked about. And I think one of the silver linings in all of this is that it's forced us to actually improve a lot of the systems that we've had that will absolutely help us when things slowly return to whatever the nor new normal uh, will be. So this will actually position us uh, to be that much better when things reopen. Yeah, that's a nice silver lining. Now, let's talk a little bit about the corporate training because so this is folks who have graduated from your program and have become um, trainers themselves. And part of what you do as inner city weightlifting then is go out and find clients for those graduates. And um, you set up classes. Typically, they happen inside the corporate offices or um, in, in your gyms. Now that we're all living in a virtual world, uh, it sounds like you have moved that to virtual platforms. And so can you talk a little bit about who some of your clients are um, how is that working? And, and what, if there's, if there's anyone who's listening, who is on the corporate side, who would want to engage in that way, how would they get in con contact with, um, or yeah, how would they, how would they reach out and, um, ask to sign up? Yeah. Uh, on, on the corporate side, uh, sort of training, uh, Wayfair, uh, boss consulting group, John Hancock, Phillips, Drift, Sage Pharmaceuticals, several other companies. And, Traditionally, we've always been confined to their offices in Boston. Um, but with this pandemic that we're in, um, it's like overnight, our, our reach just went global. So John Hancock had people from Canada joining in. Phillips had people from Switzerland. BCG had people from uh, Chicago and New York. Uh, and generally, we're using whatever video platform the company uses. We have our own Zoom account as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then individually, our trainers are training their clients in, in home. And, and something that's been really cool, and this is happening both on the corporate and individual side, is that people are getting to see each other in their homes and meeting each other's families. And, mm -hmm. and I was on one uh, corporate training session with Johnson & Johnson Innovation, and there were two people who uh, had just had children, someone else who had a, a four-year-old, someone else a 16-year-old. And they're all getting to see each other, meet each other for the first time. And, and it's something that I hope we, and, and don't just hope, I, I, we are making plans to make sure we don't lose as things uh, slowly, eventually go back to in-person. We want to keep these uh, really incredible things that are happening through this virtual world. Um, and so anyone who would want to sign up, uh, they can uh, email Ian K at innercityweightlifting.org or just go to our website and, and uh, both my info, uh, John F at innercityweightlifting.org and Ian's info are, are both on the website as well. 
Perfect. That's great. And so these classes are multiple users at a single time uh, within a single company, and then the sessions are being run by one of your graduates. Yep, exactly. It's fantastic. Um, what is the favorite exercise during those classes? So that is a great question. Um, it certainly varies. Uh, I do know that people have a love-hate relationship with burpees. Um, oh God, yeah. We, we certainly do. relationship. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we, we tend to do a lot of, um, uh, our head coach Shamsul is, is a Z Health uh, kind of head trainer. So a lot of it is all about, um, you know, stimulating the central nervous system to do corrective exercises to get your body uh, moving correctly and taking care of those imbalances. So each of these workouts, it starts with a lot of corrective work that help people who might be more sedentary now that we're, we're staying at home um, and can help take away everything from back pain, to shoulder pain, to knee pain. Um, so these are kind of little simple tricks and, and, and stretches and, and movements um, that we are just getting a ton of positive uh, feedback. Uh, we started a client advisory council uh, some of our clients were coming to our gym and, and are remaining on membership. Um, and, and that became really clear that that was a highlight. So not your traditional exercises, although all that is included. So, you know, lots of lunges, squats, push-ups, um, single leg reaches, uh, planks, things that will get people that strength and conditioning. Um, but the highlight has really been these corrective exercises uh, that are coming from uh, a perspective of if we take away someone's back pain, that's the best thing we can do for them. It doesn't matter if they can squat 500 pounds or, or run a marathon. What matters is that they can move pain-free, and that tends to be um, people's favorite. That's awesome. And it sounds like these are very, um, these are great community building um, sessions as well, which is wonderful. So uh, in terms of need, um, talk to us a little bit about what incremental needs you have um, because of the time that we're in and how people can help support you. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of need, uh, we are keeping payroll going. Uh, all of our students who are on payroll are receiving their max hours. Um, our hardship fund, uh, if people wanted to give to that, that money, we will direct, uh, right to a student. So that doesn't even need to be given to us. That way it's a very transparent transaction. Um, and we can help guide that, uh, process. Um, I, I think the biggest need is actually, you know, certainly, uh, a lot of stress just around food, but I think more so than that, um, although that is certainly short term and acute, um, or well, actually, you know, certainly chronic as well. Uh, I, I'm concerned about what's coming down the road. So even though evictions have been put off, even though utility bill, uh, uh, electricity is getting cut off, um, people who are already living paycheck to paycheck are going to be coming out of this. Maybe they have their job again. Maybe they don't. Um, but now they have a, a yet another bill. Uh, and I think that that stress uh, it, it is certainly mounting. Um, I think as we see violence kind of increase, uh, in, in, in Boston, um, a lot of it is just coming from stress and anxiety. And I think the biggest need that people have right now, 
uh, is twofold. There's the financial component. Um, and for the people in our program, we when we give them money, unless the donor wants to restrict it to something very specific, we just give them the money and, and kind of let them choose what their priorities are. Um, I think it's also just, there's this need to check in on each other, to know that other people are out there and, and, and that people aren't alone. And that's hard to do if you haven't already had the connections. Um, and again, I think it's something that is really important about the virtual workouts um, that we are able to host. And, and even Tuesday, this Tuesday coming up, we have a free one. Um, and we just increased our Zoom account so we can host up to a thousand people. Um, things like that are, are just so important. Uh, right now and, and the little things to deal with the stress and anxiety and getting people connected to, uh, if they're willing, um, you know, mental health counselors and, and taking care of that. Um, th- those are, I think, the, the big needs, kind of the unrestricted financial need for the individuals, um, but then also just knowing that people are out there and care. So you talked a little bit about the increased violence in the city of Boston, and are, are you hearing about the kind of details of that through some of your students and are they being affected by that directly? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so we've been fortunate with the people who are most engaged in our program. Uh, it's mostly been involving groups that we, we know, but can't safely work with because we don't mix people who, and groups who, um, you wouldn't otherwise want to be around each other for safety reasons. Right. Uh, so one of the things that we've been doing is getting those connections um, where we can to the groups that we're actually not working with, but that we hear and can see in the news are, are very active right now. Um, so I, I had actually met with uh, one of the people who, who is now new in our program and, and is someone who's involved in, in kind of one of the more active areas um, and met up with him Monday and, and gave him some money from our hardship fund. Um, and we'll be leveraging that, uh, we as an organization, uh, to build those relationships with him and his friends. Uh, we're going to try to do, if we can, kind of virtual workouts uh, with him and his friends so that they have something to do while at home. And, and, and I think something that's just so important, too, in this that I actually probably should have mentioned earlier is just the need for purpose um, and talking with one of our guys who, who is training people virtually uh, this is last week. Um, he's just so appreciative that he has this right now and that gives him purpose and he wouldn't know what he would do without that. Um, yeah. I think that that, that is just, it, it can't be uh, overstated the, the importance of that. Um, so in terms of our organization's response, uh, now that we're in a virtual world, it actually, again, in a weird way, it's kind of a silver lining. It helps us reach people and groups that previously we couldn't reach in the in-person model for those safety reasons. But now all those boundaries are, are kind of out the door and allowing us to do that much more. Um, I think if people and if groups want to get involved Two, two things immediately come to mind. One is if, if people want to direct money to people and families that are struggling the most, we're happy to help create that connection. And again, the money does not have to come to, to ICW. In a lot of ways, we actually don't want to so that the transparency is there around where that money is going. 
Um, another one is that, you know, for people that either have jobs or, or will have jobs that are opening or even just training programs uh, for jobs that can allow someone uh, the access uh, down the road of a job that can be done from home. Um, you know, now is certainly the time. And there's a lot of logistical barriers. Is not everyone has internet, not everyone has a computer. Uh, but again, that's where we as an organization can go in and help and to start to solve some of those issues. Um, but I think, again, another big one would be if the jobs aren't there, where is the, you know, is there an opportunity for job training? Uh, because when you look at the statistics of who has jobs uh, that can be done from home and who doesn't, uh, again, it's pretty alarming what's happening uh, in communities of color. Uh, and, and again, stemming from historical injustices and, and, and decades of, of disinvestment um, through this country's kind of troubled past. Right. Well, it sounds like COVID-19 is giving you opportunities to find ways to break down barriers that you thought you had, and it's showing you new venues for providing your services. It's creating more opportunities for your graduates um, to work, and, and it's creating opportunities for your students to have purpose and, and to be a part of something that's very meaningful. Um, we will, again, put this up on our blog in terms of how to connect to you if a corporation wants to sign up and start running classes through you for uh, their employees. And thank you very much for joining us today. Um, thank we'll you for touch. having me. Yes. And stay safe. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to my conversation with John Feynman, the founder and CEO of Inner City Weightlifting. In this challenging time, we have observed individuals and organizations banding together to support each other. Superhuman acts of kindness happen every day, the effects of which are exponential. Needs that existed before the crisis have not gone away, and new needs present themselves every day. We can all be part of solutions that positively impact our community, and we will keep bringing you quick interviews with impactful leaders to inform and inspire you. To support the work of John Feynman and Inner City Weightlifting, go to www.innercityweightlifting.org. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and help us spread the word by sharing it with your friends and family. Have a great day and stay safe.